0: Hello, it's Lady in the Tramp. I'm Trish Mitchell, the dog magician,
1: and I'm Andy Lee, dog man down under. We're talking about family dogs and family issues. This week's surprise question for you, Chris, <laughs> is where do you think the dogs go when they die?
0: Oh, that's an excellent question. I, uh, well, have you've read?
1: And I've, I've got another one up after this one. Well, the other one, I'll let you think about both of them. Have you made a will for your dog what's going to happen to her if you die before your dog dies?
0: Well, actually, yes, I have, right. yeah, and I think that's a really important component of anybody's will. Yeah. But relative to where they go after they die, do you mean like where they physically go, like whether they their ashes oh, we go know, in a... We know
1: they're gonna get burnt to ashes or yeah. buried. But yeah. where what happens after Where's, that? Does anything in fact exactly
0: spiritually ends? go?
1: Okay. Is there spiritually after or isn't there? And what, what Well,
0: I guess that would depend on your own personal religious beliefs, wouldn't it? I have I'm the, asking you. You're asking what my yeah. my belief yeah, so I'm asking you is. Yourself. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Not okay. the whole
1: world. The whole world's got all different ones, so they will be answering their own questions.
0: So. Yes, they will. Okay. Well As you know, I have a spiritual teacher, Adi Dasam Raj, and he has a very particular communication about the death process and the after-death process for both humans and non-humans. And I follow his instruction because it makes 1,000% sense to me. You know, it's like when I first came across him in the 1990s, One of the things I read that he said, if you're looking for a guru or a master or a true teacher, investigate them thoroughly, like know them intimately and then if you trust them, follow them exactly. So that's basically what what happened with my teacher. I came across him in the 90s. Um, I investigated his teaching. I talked to lots of his students and there wasn't a single iota of doubt in my mind that he's a genuine spiritual master of the highest degree. So I have been a student of his for, well, since 1991, however long that is. And his particular um, uh, teaching, I suppose you'd, you'd say, is that the death process is very similar to the birth process in that when you come into the world you come out through what's called the muladha in the chakra system, which is the the, uh, energy system between the legs. And when you die, you leave the body, whether you're a human or a non-human, through the sahasra, which is the crown chakra. So the, the spirit, whatever you would call it, the subtle being, at the death process, leaves the body at the opposite end and then the spirit, subtle body, whatever you would call it, has a couple of choices. If it's a sudden death, like an unexpected death, like maybe a dog gets runs on the road and gets smashed by a car, what can happen is the dog dies, the spirit gets shocked out of the body and it doesn't know what, what's happened and it hangs around. The other option is say it's been ill for a long time and everyone knows that the death process is going to be occurring over a period of time, then there is a specific process in, in my religion whereby at the death of the, the dog or the cat, whatever your pet is, lizard, snake, there's a little vigil for 24 hours where the body is kept in a cool place surrounded by flowers, um, favourite toys, whatever, and there's a little vigil in the house. And then after that 24-hour period, which Adi Da says gives the spirit time to realise the death has occurred and to go off to the next lifetime, and then after that 24-hour period, then the, the, the body is preferably cremated in, in his teaching, but yeah. if, if you're a barrier, then, then you bury the body. Does that answer yeah. your question fully?
1: Yeah. So, are you, well, not really. Are you going to meet your dog again?
0: In my feeling, yes. Right. Um, as I mentioned before, a lot of people have read uh, The Dog's Purpose, that beautiful yeah. book by Bruce, somebody, i forgotten yeah. his name which is about a dog that yeah, reincarnates yeah. a number of times yeah. and comes back to, to his... To help
1: people.
0: Uh, yeah, to help people and also comes back to his yeah. original owner yeah. who is now an old person. Yeah. So I sobbed my way through that book, I'll tell you <laughs> now. So that's, that's my absolute 100% belief. Right. So tell me yours. What, what do you think?
1: Well, I think what happens to dogs is going to happen to us. Absolutely. Whatever ha- happens to me will happen to my dogs when they die or humans. Yes. But uh, I think we're different from other animals. Dogs, humans, and dolphins are all sort of interconnected.
0: Did you say dolphins?
1: Them. Yeah. Yes, dolphins. Because they're, they're the other animal that will come up and interact with us for no reason whatsoever. Uh, and it just, uh, I, I think if we lived in the sea, we'd have dolphins hanging around us for pets. Uh, so, and when I went to Bali, it left an impression on my mind. Their version of Hinduism, and I like to believe it. I don't believe it as a believer, sure, but I want to believe it. So there's a
0: so. Tell a me about it.
1: To, to believe they, you've got a hundred and something lives, right, to get your life right, right, before you go to the
0: it's a school perfect
1: for sure, life. yeah. So you come back to correct what you've done in the previous life and be a better person. I think that's a good philosophy. I agree. So when you die, you come back and reborn in the same family circle as as someone else. And our guide, he was telling me he went to their the priest or whatever they call them who can see the spirits. Yes. And he said he's come back. He's grandfather died before his father could really get to know him so he's actually actually his grandfather come back to spend time with his father because they didn't spend enough time together i thought that's a great thing and i think that if that happens to me or one of my family it's also going to happen to a dog they come back to be better dogs and if you think that, there's an awful lot of dogs gonna come back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, there's I a,
1: there's, there's a lot of bad dogs that gotta come back and have another life. To what's that's true. Right. But
0: there's also I think there's a lot of misunderstood dogs that have yeah. been youthed, euthanized, yeah. put to sleep undeservedly because their humans didn't know them and understand them enough yeah. to help them through whatever their issue was. But I'm a hundred percent with you. Um my teacher, Adi he says that what people don't understand is that reincarnation is not linear time-wise like, like we humans experience time and space. He said that, that you can reincarnate, A, on another planet, but that's going to a whole other yeah. place, and B, you can reincarnate in the past. So right. in our lifetime, you and me, here we are in yeah. 2021, we could reincarnate in the year... 1820 yeah but still with the same familial yeah. people yes. that you have issues with that you need to deal with and maybe yeah. a, a dog
1: I, I think as religions go they really struck a note with me because everyone that's believing in it is trying to make become a better person exactly. Because they've only got a hundred and oh, it was some odd number. 100,
0: it's a hundred and eight. hundred and eight is a sacred number in Hindu. you kingdom.
1: come back as a net or something, you get <laughs> swatted and you're, that's the end of you. Um, well,
0: that's the other thing that Adidas says. So you says. don't
1: know whether you're on the hundred and seven. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. says
0: you could, you don't necessarily come back as a human. Yeah. He said normally this is this, this is his teaching. And you know, I'm I'm not talking as an expert here, but Adidas says that you come back. Depending on the life you have lived this time, yeah. and it would be the same for dogs and and other pets. You come back as a more, kind of more enlightened in you know small yeah. letters, to do a better job in the next lifetime. Yeah. You don't ever go backwards. Yeah. Like you and I are good people, we would never come back as assholes in the next life, All right? right. Yeah. We would move forward All to be right. okay. better people, more willing to serve. Yeah. And care and nurture, yeah. et cetera. So that's that's something that fits in with the Hindu philosophy of you've got 108 lives and you better get it right on your 108th, yeah. presumably. I mean, because I don't know much about Hinduism, I would presume that on your 109th, if you haven't got it right, you come back as yeah, a gnat and you get yeah,
1: squatted. Yeah. <laughs> so the dogs might come back to help different humans to get that life right. But let's just...
0: No, I, I. No, no, no. I, well, yes, it is conjecture. we believe in something. If you believe in there's nothing, you believe in
1: there's nothing. But I like to believe. Yeah. That my loved ones are coming back. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I remember um, this is something I saw on on video. Uh, uh, my teacher gave a talk once, um, and and someone asked him the question: Could there be nothing after death? Just nothing. Yeah. Just like you die and yeah. it's blank and there's nothing. And he just laughed and he said, Well. There could be, but how boring. So, you know, his point of view, of course, is that's that's not the case. There's a great complexity to reincarnation. So, and even, even as a child, I believed in reincarnation. I didn't know what the word meant, but I knew that my first dog, Beauty, my gorgeous Labrador, and I would come back together at some point in another, another lifetime. And I knew that when I was six, which yeah. is when I got Beauty.
1: So today you want to mainly talk about walking your dog on the leads. Well, that sounds a bit
0: boring after what we've just been talking about because <laughs> yeah, I find
1: this a, really interesting. Yeah, but uh, it's not a religious program. No, it's, it's not. As well, but that was a so. really
0: great question. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, walking, so. walking. Uh, I um, The thing I notice the most because I live in an urban area is people – trying to walk their dogs without getting pulled off their feet. And it's a shame because sometimes you see a dog on a harness or mainly on a harness, that's just what everyone seems to use these days, and sometimes, you know, you see sideways dogs where they're pulling to the side and their, their their left shoulder is almost on the ground and they're walking Yes. You know, with their paws kind of sideways, because they're so desperate to just get out there and have fun. And I just I look at these people, and I think the dog is not enjoying this walk. The humans can't possibly be enjoying constantly pulling this dog back from almost being on its side. And there's no there's no relaxation. There's no appreciation of mother nature and the, just the joy of. Calmly you, walking. You
1: feel strongly like I do. That's part of the discipline, as well. The walk. Oh,
0: the, dis- yeah. the for me, no discipline. For me,
1: discipline is the dog's walking you. Yes. It's a, It's no structure there, is there?
0: Yeah. the The walk for me is everything that, in the formula of a happy dog, uh, has exercise, discipline rules, boundaries, limitations, and affection. All of those are bound up in the walk because dogs have to walk forward. They have to move forward. That's part of their psychological requirement. So when you are in a harmonious pack leader relationship with your dog and you're walking with your dog beside you in, you know, what we in the industry call pack drive, Sets in, so you become a little pack.
1: Well, you in industry, I've never heard of it before.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You've never heard of pack drive?
1: No, well, I'm not in the the industry right. quite as much as other people. Right. I'm well, I'm not. I'm I've not. Got, either. I've got a pack of dogs, and I'm a, <laughs> a pack of dogs.
0: Well, there is a there is a, a term. But back to
1: those terms again. Yes,
0: it's there? it's a term. You just have to deal yes. with terms. Okay, yes. it's it's what happens. When either you and your dog on your own or you and your two dogs or your three dogs or yeah. a group of friends walking together, if if the dogs are walking calmly beside you, you become energetically a pack. Yeah. And then what's called pack drive, which is the, the instinctual drive oh, so in you a got dog. So word for what yes. I do. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's, yeah, it's just a word for yeah. exactly what you do. Yeah. So pack drive kicks in. The dogs, uh, what happens is they get oxytocin coming into the brain. They go into the zone of, um, what's the word? Um, what I did, don't know. No, I know you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you don't. <laughs> you know, it's that word when wolves when wolves travel. Um, there's a word for it yeah. anyway. Yeah. But they, they get into that mode of travelling. And if you're sensitive, you'll notice that your own dog has a particular pace that becomes a kind of lope, almost like a wolf. And it doesn't matter whether it's a chihuahua or a cane corso or a mutt. They get into this mode of a certain flowing movement. And if you can tune in to your dog's flow and walk at that speed that your dog needs to walk at, not the speed you want to walk at, then you've got a perfectly energetically harmonious this pack walk happening.
1: This is the problem I find. I find it's one of the hardest things to teach people to get their dog to stop pulling. And it really annoys me. All these trainers I see say it's one of the easiest things, and they show a video, taking the dog out 40 minutes later, it's walking all right. Well, anyone can do that, after yeah. 40 minutes. But it is hard. Because we go too slow, so we, we walk too slowly. Is that what four, you mean? So, yeah, we, yeah, For a dog's speed, it's too slow. Yes. So we have to walk slow. The dog has to walk against what his DNA says. So yes. It's a very hard thing, which is why I like using you use a slip lead. Yes. For, uh, if you've got a real big puller. I like to use a, the the halty mm-hmm. for a big puller. So it's not an effort to yep. so try and keep them back all the time. if yep. I can keep them back because I I take them out off lead and I've taught them to come behind off lead and that. But the normal person owner at home can't do all that stuff.
0: No, but you know yeah. it's 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 easy to teach and and I um, had a staffy puppy who
1: uh,
0: on the weekend who's who had almost ripped the shoulder out of her mum pulling so hard because she's a really strong dog. And I put her on my classic, which I always use, figure eight slip leash, and she was walking like an angel within literally two minutes. They live in my street. By the time I walked from their place to my place, Medika was walking calmly and quietly beside me. So it's very easy if you get the the right thingy to use. We're not going to use the word tool. Thingy. The right thingy, which yeah. in this case for me is always a slip leash, and if you've got the right energy, you get those two yeah. things happening. Within literally five minutes, you can have a major puller walking like an angel beside you.
1: And what I like to teach the people that can do it is to go at the dog's pace. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is a, the best way. I if you can. can walk my dog only on my pack walks on a Friday, mm. I don't walk my dogs on the lead. They go out on the bike every time. And but I, you're
0: in a semi-rural area where you're allowed to have dogs off lead. No, they're on the lead. Oh, they're on the lead. Yes, oh, okay. riding the
1: bike. But you're only going real slow, but they're going on a trot. You never go off a yes. trot. So they're on a the trot. And it's so much easier to get that energy out and they go at their trotting speed, which is really good for their mind. That's And right. if you've got a reactive dog, they hardly react at all. When they go past yep. other dogs, because they're in that trotting, and it's too quick for them. They're going through me by,
0: and also their mind is in a different place. Well, their that's mind, what they're, not about. they're not bored. They're not yep. looking around well, for something to react any to. Any
1: runner will tell you when they're a long distance runner. Yep. they get into that jog, and it's meditation yes. time.
0: You get and into the, the same zone.
1: Dogs getting into that jog. So I love teaching people to go on a bike. And of course, it's not for everyone. But if they can, it's really good. Uh, and I'm 64, and I can take off, uh six dogs on a bike, free each side. So mm-hmm. I always say to people, "You've got one dog, you can do it." Yeah, sure. Because <laughs> you're yeah. not going fast. You go. You never go over that top dog speed. Yeah. Uh, so it's a good it's
0: thing. a bit tricky for older people. Like, oh, of course. For, for instance, myself, I have rollerblades.
1: Oh my God! Well,
0: actually, they're they're actually called. they
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> I no, have no. to film that if you go out. Oh, this is
0: hilarious! This <laughs> is a funny story. They're actually called land runners, and yeah. they're the rollerblades. Uh, they're, the land runners are the version of rollerblades yeah. that Caesar Milan uses, like yeah, right, the dogger. Yeah.
1: My family bought me a pair. I thought I think they were trying to knock me off. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> no. <It didn't> <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> I had one go on them. You must be kidding. <laughs> Well, I bought
0: bought them and, you know, they've got the the big slopey wheels, you know, they don't have the inline. No, 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 they're awesome. But I bought them and I bought the elbow guards, the helmet, the knee guards. I must, you know, (coughs) I had no idea how to even get moving. They're so (coughs) different. Yes, because nobody pretty much in Australia uses land runners yeah. and, and why Caesar didn't make them worldwide famous I do not know because they didn't take advantage of the fact that he's used them for years. However, I love the idea, even though I'm in my 60s too, I love the idea of, of learning how to use these land runners properly with all the gear and then when you've got a high-energy dog, like for instance the, the young Staffy yeah. I had on the weekend, get on the land runners and just let her pull and yeah. run until she's exhausted. Yeah. And then you can start working.
1: It's so easy. But I'm, not, terrified, not dying, I'm, terrified of, die. I'm terrified of crashing and burning yeah. on these Landrunners. And would because no. the brake system is stupid on them. Is it? You have to tip your foot backwards instead of forward. So to stop on conventional skates, you twist around and put, or you turn a foot backwards and brake with one foot. Those, you tip yourself backwards, which is really awkward because you haven't got a bend in your back.
0: How do you mean you, t- you tip your whole body backwards? Because I used to with ice skate feet. and so I'm used to, you know, ice skates. you put your
1: foot sideways, wouldn't you, to break with one foot. Yes. Yeah, well, you can't do that with them. You can with uh, conventional skates with a break on the front. You can tip your foot back and you break with But Land one. Runners, they've slow. got a break at the back. But they it?
0: look so hip. Oh, I well, just think they stupid. look so hip. No, they don't. They don't. I'm, I swear to God, I want to learn. You know, I, right, I'm going
1: to film it when you yes. to do one day. And we'll film it. We'll put it well, up.
0: Well, I've actually put it out on Facebook and a number of places. Is there anyone who knows how to use land runners who could teach me how to how to do it? Yeah, I'll teach you. You can't teach me. Yes, you don't I know can. how. Yeah. Okay. No, you can't. I'll You'd just, make me I'll fall just, over. I
1: just, I'll just push. You. Go for it. <laughs> So we'll have a laugh, and
0: that's how I'd end up in the bushes yeah. or in the water. No, yeah. thank you. No, anyway,
1: back to the walk. <laughs> yes, I'll back to the back walk. A little tip, right, for everyone mm-hmm. is when you're introducing a new dog to another dog. Mm-hmm. This like I learned off my mum as a little young child because in Greyhound kennels, you're always getting new dogs coming in, and they live together in twos in the kennels. And the first thing you do, you just take them for a walk together. They become a pack.
0: Pack drive. Yeah. Pack drive a, kicks They in. become a
1: pack. Yes. They're walking along. They get to sniff each other while they're walking, smell each other while they're walking. They become one. When a dog barks, they turn their heads and look at that dog. They become one, thinking about the same thing. And then when you finish the good long walk, you just drop the leads, and they already know each other. They're not confrontal. Uh, and that, on the weekend, that's the same thing you do with humans. On the weekend, I saw a dog, and the dog's growling and barking at the next door neighbour. Mm-hmm. Well, the next door neighbour, as long as they're friendly to you, it's a, the same thing. I said, go for a walk with him, let him take the lead, let him walk with the dog. And you walk along, and he's giving the lead, he becomes part of your pack. And he, he becomes part of the person taking him for a walk. Then he become a friend with them. Otherwise, it's, it becomes next to impossible. And he, keeps, he kept giving treats and going, good boy, and everything over the fence. But you've got the barrier. So it makes it hard.
0: I had a, a similar case with the, the tiniest little Maltese fluffy cross I've ever seen, size of a chihuahua. And she was vicious and mean to everybody. She wasn't abused. She was just, she was just had a mean kind of temperament. But their next door neighbour was trying desperately to make friends with yeah. her because he liked her. And the, the same scenario. So what, what I, I did was I just asked him to sit outside. He had a little courtyard where he'd have his cup of tea. And I said, just sit outside quietly and I'll bring Shiloh around and she can just have a little sniff. You just completely ignore her. She can have a little sniff around. And eventually what happened was after a couple of times of back and forward, she wandered in off leash, like a, the leash was just trailing yeah. behind her, and she sat down beside him. And I said, don't touch her, just leave her alone, give her her own space. And as far as I'm aware, I haven't heard otherwise from the the family Everything is now good between the neighbor and the dog, even though this little dog was really mean to this man. So it is, it's about, it's the same thing we talk about all the time. It's about taking the time to be kind to each other and get to know each other as human beings, as neighbors. Yeah. And getting into relationship with each other. You don't have to be best mates. You don't have to be constantly popping in next door.
1: That's why I like to teach sitting outside because it's the best thing we discovered with your dogs. In the evening, we call it family time. Half an hour. It was compulsory. Go out there with no electronic gadgets at all, and we just sat there and talked to each other with our dogs. And wave to the neighbours, and we've got to know every neighbour up the street, even though we're not best mates, and we, but we all know each other. Well, yes. Well, I know them all. Yes. Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't have known any of them.
0: Yeah, because we tend not and to. And dogs know
1: them. So that yeah. if they get out and something happens, well, mine don't get out because they won't run away, but if they get out, your neighbour will see your dog and go, oh, and bring it back home for you because it'll go to them because it knows them. Mm. It's it's benefit to everyone.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it comes back to, I think, this old-style community yeah. that used to exist when you and I were younger. Yeah. You did know your neighbours. Yeah. You played with all the – I remember, you know, I grew up in Scotland and I, <laughs> this is how old I am. We used to have a horse and cart come around with sweeties. Right? He was the sweetie man, the lolly man.
1: The lolly man. Oh, we, we had the rag and bone man. You didn't have sweeties come around. No, we used to give sweeties for for bringing out. Oh, of right. Well, so, no, well,
0: we had we had a the
1: parents <laughs> to give us some rags.
0: No, we had a horse yeah. and cart man would come round the street with sweeties, and we were, you know, all given sixpence yeah. or whatever to go out and buy a sweeties. And one of the things he used to let us do, if we were very well behaved, only one at a time, he would pick one child out of the group of kids. I would have been, you know. Five or six by then, and you were allowed to sit on the end of the sweetie cart, and this gorgeous plodding old horse would plod up and down the cul de sacs, oh, yeah, and yeah. you got to sit on the back until you got back to your place. So there was no fear that this man was a pedophile for a start. You know, nobody worried about oh, well, the no fact. One worried that, about, no, me, at all. No. So you know, we were, existed,
1: but we didn't. But but
0: sitting on the back of the Sweetie Cart was so fun because you got to wave to everybody (laughs) in the street as you went by and, you know, all the kids would come out because the Sweetie Cart man was here and it was so delightful. It's one of my fondest memories of my childhood was sitting on the Sweetie Cart and now all you've got is those poor little ice cream men that come around, you know, the trucks with the ice cream that play sleeves. Yeah. And even they're few and far between. But whenever I hear a green sleeves ice cream truck, I always want to run out and get an ice cream and say, to- toffee "Can toffee apples, I
1: have a ride?" Peanuts was another one. The toffee apples. Oh. oh yes.
0: Toffee apples, roasted peanuts. Yes. Out. Oh, uh, toffee apples. <laughs> yeah. They're the
1: best. I thought of making some of them when I was broke and going down the beach, and maybe you could sell them, but. Uh, you know, you, you probably could. You probably have to get a regulation, pay the council, impact study, and, <laughs> <laughs> and everything else. So. And then you might
0: get sued because the kid gets, you know, um, tooth decay yeah. from your toffee yeah. apple. Well, so, that's yeah. got
1: to do with walking your dog on the lead. I don't know. But, Absolutely uh, nothing, but yeah. who cares? Yeah. So before you go out, go leave the house with the dog on the lead. What's your advice?
0: Well, I would have answered Andy's question just now, but we got interrupted, beca- interrupted because how posh we had a photo shoot and the photographer arrived. So
1: thanks for listening.
0: Message us anytime on Facebook or on our websites, if you like. Media inquiries, Facebook only, please. Guest requests, Facebook only, please.
1: We'll see you next time.